Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new Pennywise podcast from Lee Enterprises. I'm your host, Terry Barr. And joining me today is Daphne Foreman. Now, Daphne is a banking and personal finance expert with Forbes Advisor. Daphne, thanks for being here today. Thank you so much, Terry, for having me. I want to start with a quote. Better to save and have it rather than not. Boy, that gets you right there. We're talking about savings today. <laughs> Why is saving so important, especially after maybe what we've learned over the last year? Well, it yes, it's better to have it than not. That is the place to start. Um, it's because if you don't have savings, even in your even if it's not, let's take the COVID nest off of it for a moment. Even in just your regular financial life, if you don't have some sort of financial cushion between you and an opportunity or between you and utter despair, you risk making less optimal choices when the time comes. So for example, if you need money, you might throw something on a credit card or you might make some other choice that is not as good. And so even though we cannot know what we don't know in terms of, for example, if we look back over the past year, I'm just beginning to see in my Facebook feed memories of a year ago and Ugh. what we thought we were going into <laughs> with the COVID wow. and the pandemic was nothing like what we experienced. And so I also want to acknowledge, because I know we'll talk about the COVID aspects of this a fair amount today, is to acknowledge the fact that everyone's, it depends on where you are in this experience. I mean, we all are aware of this, but it's so easy to say, oh, this is such a tragedy. I'm so bored doing jigsaw puzzles or sourdough <laughs> starter or whatever. And I was fortunate enough to be in a job that was remote to begin with. It continues. I have hit a cut. We all are hitting the COVID wall in various ways. We're also getting vaccinated, which is fabulous. Mm -hmm. But we want to be sure that we acknowledge the fact that there are people, for example, there's a stat going around just in the past few days. There are over $5 trillion in excess savings globally. There's oh. just, pi just piles of money sitting around waiting to be spent. That this, And they, they use lots of water analogies with it. A tsunami of money you know, pouring over the whatever, $2.6 trillion of this excess savings is in the United States. So we need However, opportunity to spend, yes, I guess. Yes, so we can all go spend. Right. That is definitely a story. That's a major story. Wow. But it also means that there, for every person who is sitting on a big ocean of savings that they didn't expect, or, you know, they haven't been going out, they haven't been going to Broadway, right. they haven't been doing these things, there is someone for whom their livelihood ended on March 13th of 2020. Hmm. They wow. lost a job. I mean, and, and of course, the public health personal side of this, I don't know anyone at this moment who doesn't have someone they've lost to COVID. Yes. So yes. You, you've got such a variety. There was a, a meme going around the internet that I never could get a real, really good source for that said, we're all in the same, we're not all in this, people say, oh, we're all in the same boat. Right. You know, it's a, it's a crisis. It's now, you know, we're all in the same boat. We're not all in the same boat. Mm -mm. We're in the same ocean, but some people are on very comfortable ocean liners. Some people are under the water with their hand in the air. And so I know from working with a team of, of personal finance professionals that we always want to be sensitive to the fact that we're, you know, in a situation like this, talking into an audience of people for mm -hmm. whom they may have a pile of savings and they've tuned in to see, well, what can I do other than emergency savings? Because that's not very sexy. I'd rather buy a home. I'd rather take a trip turn my career upside down. And there are people who don't know how they're going to make their rent. Yes. And, and so the, the part of the thing about savings that's so tricky is that it's very specific to you. Mm -hmm. It's not something where we can just like with retirement, 
people are always wanting a number. You know, what's my number? How many hundred thousand million dollars do I need to coast after age 62 or five? And with savings, you also need a number, but there's not a number. It's not a one size fits all kind of scenario at all. <laughs> Talking about savings and, and trying to figure out, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, how do I even get started? Make it a habit? I mean, is that just, is it that simple or is it not that simple, Daphne? <laughs> it is, yes. Okay. Yes, and it is. Okay. It is that simple in, in the same way that eating properly, exercising well, and flossing, if it were that easy, we'd all be doing it. We wouldn't be having this conversation. <laughs> exactly. Yes, it, it, it is a, the, the most important thing for looking at savings is not yeah. to get tripped up on the math because they will say, you know, the decades old financial person's advice on this is three to six months. The coat of your living expenses socked away in what would be considered liquid savings, savings that you can get to, mm -hmm. savings that's not at play in the market or locked up in a piece of real estate, but actual cash savings in an account somewhere. It could be savings, it could be CDs, it could be money market accounts, but money that you, not under the mattress preferably, but money that you can get to. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, yeah, and, and, and the trick of it is it can be daunting if you're someone who is, does not have the three to six months. And then, for example, there are now folks speaking, and it makes sense for a lot of individuals to look at a longer window than that. Three to six months wouldn't do it. For example, I have a friend who closed a hair salon last March. Mm. She has, her livelihood was taken from her essentially, yeah. and she's now cutting hair on the beach on occasion, but you do not, you cannot cover a year of losing your livelihood with part-time work and whatever savings you would have had. And she's probably an excellent saver. But we, as we look at it, we want to be sure that you don't get frozen by the fact it's kind of like when you look at again using retirement as an example probably because i am not someone as prepared as i could be if someone tells me you need two million dollars to retire cleanly at such and such an age it's very easy for me to just go to just tune out i don't have two million dollars i'm not going mm -hmm. to get two million dollars therefore this conversation is not about me and you sort of walk away and and with savings you can always learn how to do it better you can always you, you really start where you are and you look at what does having money mean? What does being rich mean to you? To you, it might be several million dollars. To me, it might be $50 and a bus ticket. You don't know, you know what you want and what you need to feel as though you're living a rich life or as though you're safe. Emergency savings that. are a function of having money that you want to spend versus having money that gives you peace of mind. And some folks would put a dollar value on peace of mind that yeah. far exceeds what it may look like. I find that so interesting to think about it on an individual basis that, again, some general number just thrown at you three to six months or $500 or whatever doesn't apply to everyone. You need to look at your individual situation. And I don't know that I've heard a lot of people say that, but it really resonates. Good. It, you need to make it, it, it is a very specific thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not as specific. We won't say it's as specific as your fingerprint because that's overly dramatic, but it is something, and especially with emergency savings that, and the reason I brought up, you know, if you go at it the way you go at dieting or flossing, it's not going to go well, because if it doesn't feel attractive to you, if you don't really connect with it, it's not going to work. And, and the way that you personalize it in terms of doing things, some people, prefer to have more of a sort of an outgoing, you know, an outbound sort of take on it. And they tell all their friends, I'm going to save this much money. I'm going to Cabo 
ask me if I've done it three weeks from now. Other people would prefer to save in the privacy of their own priorities and hearts. And that's why when you talk about savings, you see lots of writing about goals. Yeah. Because if you can personalize it, and, and it's not just this genetic, it's coming back to the COVIDness. You've seen features where they show the docs and all the PPE, and they've got the mask and the shield and the thing. And then there are hospitals where there's a photo, there's an eight by 10 photograph of the, of the doctor's face right. pasted on the front of their PPE. Mm-hmm. So that when a patient looks up and sees these three authority figures standing in front of them, they see that face. Mm. And there has been research on, I believe it was in India, if I'm not wrong, um, where they were looking at envelope budgeting and those kinds of things. And people who were saving for college for their children who put a photo of their child on that envelope saved more. Oh, I love that. Because it, it, you knew what you were doing. And, it, and it's why not only can you set separate goals for savings, mm-hmm. you, know, you may be someone who's saving up for a down payment on a home. You may have a wedding coming up. You may have a vacation. You may have the perfect job and want to side hustle. You may not have the perfect job. You may want to be someone who reinvents themselves at some point. Mm-hmm. All of those lovely things which are positive, attractive things. Yes. Require a baseline of funding. Okay. You can't, yeah. money affects the choices that you get to make. Yeah. And even if you're someone who has tons of money, we assume you have more choices, but you're also bound up in what dealing with that much money is like. If you have only a little, you think, well, I, have, I don't have a lot of choices. You do, you have plenty of choices. They just may have more trade-offs. Exactly. <laughs> but to the extent that you can, do individual savings goals. And even sometimes people will set up multiple accounts. You don't just have to have a savings account into which your savings goes. Some people will play psychological tricks for, for example, they'll put it in a seed. It's not as good to tie up money in a time bound piece, like a CD, unless you're able to do several where you can get to the money one after the other, what's called a CD ladder, but you want this money to be accessible, but you also want it not to be too accessible. In the same way, for example, when I was putting together a small business, which I launched, I bought the domain for my website at 4 a.m. on 9-11. It wasn't 9-11 yet. And so I started a business in New York City in a very challenging financial and personal health scenario. Okay. So let me ask you about the um, different accounts that you're talking about. I want to go back to your envelope example with Mm -hmm. the kids faces on each envelope saving for this school saving for this kid's school i love the idea also of all these different accounts as far as savings accounts for different things why haven't we thought of that before (laughs) well we have we have in some ways i mean there is for example when you talk about budgets you know you have the 50 20 30 budget you have zero based budgeting there also are envelope budgeting where you actually put money in envelopes now we don't since we're not handling as much cash, that's not as likely. And for something that needs to be a significant sum, such as emergency savings, it may not be a physical envelope with dollar bills in it or Benjamins or whatever they would need to be. But in terms of the accounts you have at your bank, and so many people now have more than one banking relationship. You know, there are people who have a bank and the banker they've known forever and that's they've a checking account, they have a savings account, they might have a mortgage. But then you also have folks who are, busy shopping for APYs and best deals and the first, the next Neo bank, challenger bank combo sort of banking thing that comes along. They're like, Oh, I want that. I want that. There's a lot of shiny objects right now Mm -hmm. coming from FinTech and traditional banking, trying to see how they can work best together to serve 
clients in an ideal scenario. That's what it's about is to give their customers more options and more services. And emergency savings is not the time when you want to be obsessed with your APY, the interest rate that you earn, your annual percentage mm -hmm. yield. Which isn't great savings these days. Is not about, savings is not so much about earning, you know, making money with the money. Mm -hmm. Savings is about having a, a pot of money in whatever form it takes, an envelope, an account of whatever that you know will be there that you can reach for instead of your credit card, instead of yes. being in some sort of actual distress. And so the individual accounts are this come back to the psychological piece of if I have a house, if I you also can see your progress. There's, you know, there's the issue of if you have a bunch of money in a savings account and you're like, well, I shouldn't touch that. Something terrible could happen. Right. And you have to, you know, you want to build yourself some sort of cushion. And even if it's a small one, I mean, you, if you start where you are, even if it were $10 a week or $5 a week or $100 a week, whatever makes sense to you, it doesn't mean that you have to go from zero to six months to a year of emergency savings locked away that you can't get to. Right. It also, I think we need to get back to having savings be fun. When I was in the fourth grade and they had that, you know, the public school stuff where you, you know, you buy a savings bond and it's going to make money, but it's going to take seven years for it to happen. Saving was cool. Yes. And as we grow up, saving sort of becomes the bad guy and spending takes over. Hmm. And except for some terrible thing that you have to cover for, savings accounts are just spending in the future. Savings, it's, it's spending you're going to get to do. So if you could think of your savings account for your child's college fund, because when that time comes, your child will get to go to whatever school he or she, they want to be in, and you know that you can handle it. Or you're saving for a vacation and you start looking, flipping through pictures of where you're going, or you start more likely you're on their phone as you're in between somewhere looking for it. <laughs> to the extent that we can personalize it and make the savings goal something that's attractive to us, we're more like, that takes us away from the, oh, I have to work out. Oh, mm -hmm. I need to loss problems, you know, because then the more attractive it is to you, the more like you are to stick with it. And yes. you mentioned habit earlier, the habit and just choosing to be a saver as part of who you are as a financial person is so much more important than where is it? What is the return on it? How much of it do I have? Because if you get into the habit of realizing that saving is as natural a thing to do with your money as spending it is, you will be setting it you'll be setting yourself up and people can, but you have to get it. It has to reach you because if you're just doing it because, mm -hmm. oh, I'm supposed to do this, yeah, it won't be fun. And it, the money will not pile up at this speed. It just, it just won't, you know? Yeah. And you know, like you see people who are, for example, the mere religious zeal of people who sell life insurance. Mm. And some of those people are motivated by, it's very easy to say, because I have sold some life insurance my time. Oh, they just want a big commission. They want that first year commission. That math is in there, but the people that I know who are genuinely placing life insurance, which is a form of protection or disability insurance, or even your homeowners, your property casualty rep, the people in insurance who are doing that from the heart are doing that because they understand the value of protection. You're not buying life insurance so that he can take a better vacation or she can take a better vacation. You're buying life insurance because you love the people that are affected by your financial life. And if something were to happen to you, they cannot replace you, but they can replace this financial value. Mm -hmm. Emergency savings is kind of in that same thing. It's something that is not the sexiest part of financial life. It's not the most fun, but you want to protect yourself, not only against the things that are truly tragic, like a, pan a global pandemic. Right. A hurricane. You know, we tend yes. to think in dramatic sort of 
ways on, oh, emergency funds, you know, and, and there's, there's a lot of action in the photo, but there are things that you don't see coming that are national outside of you, extrinsic sort of emergencies. And then there are things that you do know are coming. For example, you have annual property tax payments, or you always want to take your kids on a vacation, or you know someone in your family needs additional training to become a coder. There are things you can predict. And so you're not only saving just, you know, in that sort of grit your teeth, I have to save, but you're actually setting up your own future happiness and activity. It, it can be cool. I mean, I loved it in the fourth grade. I'm not nearly as good at it now. There yes, some yes. Along the way, I've come back uh -huh. to it. And uh -huh. even if you're starting from a very modest spot, just knowing if some small thing happens mm -hmm. and you look and you go, I don't have to put that on my card. I'll, I will pay that for my debit. I'm paying cash for this because I've earned the money. I've spent the money and I'm mm -hmm. a responsible person. And that makes so you there, feel there, good. Yeah. There are upsides. There are upsides to it as well. Emergency yeah. funds get kind of a bad rep. <laughs> wow. So Daphne, what would you say is the bottom line for somebody who's listening to this? How do they get started or, or why should they care about savings? One of the reasons we've talked about is that it's a mix of mm -hmm. peace of mind and of protection for, for those that, that you love and that are around you. And in terms of how you go about it, you need to make it a priority. It has to be something that matters enough to you that you get it done. And there really is no single number. The right number, the right amount of savings for you or for me is going to be as individual as we are. It has to do with your goals, what your financial situation is, if you have young children, if you have aging parents and the caregiving, all of those things come into the conversation. And I, I think the main thing and sort of the bottom line feeling of it is, and you know, pick a movie, any movie or any advertisement, just do it, make it just so. Do it. There is no try. I mean, there, there's lots of, there's lots of cliche ways to say it, but it's something that you don't want to walk away from. You don't yeah. want to look at it and go, oh, I couldn't do that. I don't have savings for an emergency. So I just won't bother to try. Right. And right. you certainly can always get better at it no matter where you're starting from. So if, if you sort of keep it in the, you know, progress, not perfection part of your world, there is just so much uncertainty in the world and for better or for worse, mm -hmm. your money that you have is one of the ways that you participate in that world. Yeah. And to the extent that you can have savings that you know are there, it Yes, it provides peace of mind. Yes, it pays bills if something terrible happens, but it also just rounds out the other things that you're doing in your financial life. Oh, so smart. <laughs> Daphne, thank you so much for uh, joining us and, and just having this really interesting discussion about money in general, but savings in particular. And I think I'm going to have to check back in with you and see how I'm doing on my savings in a couple of months. Perhaps we'll have a challenge. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Maybe we should challenge everyone. <laughs> but yes, to the extent that you can make it specific and know that it's about you and, and keep asking the right questions. Always be questioning. Yes. What am I doing? Why am I doing it? What are the financial implications of this? And it can be much more satisfying than something that you have to do. Exactly. You know, oh find what works for you and your particular situation. Find your savings superpower if you have one. Oh, <laughs> a saving superpower. <laughs> All right. Let us, let us discover our savings superpower and see what we can do with it. <laughs> I, yes. Okay, I'm with you. On to the superpower of savings. <laughs> Daphne Foreman. Daphne is the banking and personal finance expert with Forbes at advisor. Thank you again, Daphne. What a great conversation. Thank you, Terry, so much. I appreciate your time. I've enjoyed oh. it too.
<laughs> this is your Pennywise podcast, and I'm Terry Barr.